Hello and welcome to another episode of Existence. This is the podcast where we are exploring the question, what does it mean to exist and pursue a life well lived through the contemplation of love, death, philosophy, and connection? Today's episode is with Ariel Goodbody. He is a podcaster and host of Easy Stories in English, a podcast where he writes all of his own stories for those learning English at different proficiency levels. So I was super stoked he was able to come on and be vulnerable and talk about life and spirituality and, and what it all means. So super stoked he was able to come on and, and just talk to me uh, in general about some of these things. So thanks for listening and hope you enjoy the episode. All right, I'm probably going to get eaten alive by mosquitoes here, but you know, this is what we got. Hello, how's it going, Ariel? Thanks for joining me. I, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, so I'm really happy you're, you're able to join me. And for those who are listening, um, we met at a conference in London, the podcasting conference in London. And so it was really great to talk to you and kind of meet you at, and, and a few other people there that, you know, are just in podcasting. And so it's a interesting world. And I think, mm, I think that's kind of nice to build a community around yourself. Um, and I don't know if that's something you'd agree with. I don't know how large of a community that you have around yourself in terms of, uh, podcasters and stuff. And honestly, not as much as I would like, actually. But mm. yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that's, uh, it's, it's re- I'm, you know, that's why I'm trying so much now to collaborate with other people and even just like reaching out to listeners and like, I don't know, I'm thinking of interviewing some of my listeners at the moment because I think it's really great to, yeah, take advantage of this format and get in touch with people. Yeah, su- super cool, super cool. So for those who don't know, I, uh, if you don't mind giving like a brief, brief introduction about yourself, kind of uh, your background um, in podcasting and just yourself in general, um, uh, so we can kind of use start with that. Yeah, my name is Ariel Goodbody. I do a podcast called Easy Stories in English, where I do, I write short stories in simple English for people learning English as a foreign language. And then I perform them, basically. I also do some vocabulary explanations and things like that. I kind of got into that because I started teaching languages and I've always been interested in making things like podcasts and YouTube videos and writing. So it kind of just combined my interests. And um, especially the last few years, I've been getting a lot more in touch with uh, like spirituality and just also philosophy in general. Um, I had a very kind of dark period makes it sound very dramatic but I had a period last year where I completely burned out from work and I had to uh, take a large break because for three months I basically completely lost the ability to speak Um, so that was a good opportunity for introspection I did loads of journaling and so um yeah, you know, this whole thing of like thinking about existence like I probably think about it too much is the problem (laughs) yeah no, that, okay, that's awesome. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, it's like, it's not, um, I think that's the cool thing about it is it's everyone's dealing with it. You know, every, everybody everybody has their own take on what we're doing here, what we're going through. We all just seem to end up here and, and you know, people have their different um, views on how it happened and what's going to happen and how to live it. So, you know, that's really, uh, that's really what I want to kind of discover in each each individual person that I interview. So I mean, for a podcaster losing your voice, that is not a good, um, that is not a good uh, thing to go through. How how was that situation for you? How did you kind of, how did you uh, cope? And what what happened exactly? 
Yeah, so um, it's kind of complicated because uh, I've never been like officially diagnosed with what that was because it's mm. something very rare, right? I, I did a lot of research and um, I'm self-diagnosed as autistic and that was already from years before. I'd kind of figured that out for myself, but getting a diagnosis as an adult um, in the UK is a very lengthy process. I mean, you can be on a waiting list for like five or six years, Um and getting a private diagnosis is extremely expensive and doesn't really have any benefits as an adult. You don't really get any help. So I didn't see any point in pursuing that. But once I lost the ability to speak, you know, I did a lot of research and, um, you know, going, um, people call it uh, non-speaking or non-verbal is um, a very common experience for a lot of autistic people. There are actually a lot of autistic people who are completely non-speaking, who um, people assume that they can't understand language, but often they actually can understand language, communicate through writing or like assisted technology devices. So I, I learned a lot actually kind of in this process, but essentially I kind of came to the conclusion that I probably have something that's called autistic catatonia because I also had these symptoms of catatonia where I would sometimes lose the ability to move or to move easily um and so sometimes there have been you know instances where my body has just completely shut down and I basically need someone to come and like help me move um oh, and wow. it seemed to just be the kind of result of just chronic long-term stress and burnout basically which is kind wow. of funny because uh you know I know, you know, I have like, what, like my brother and like people I know who are like really like high powered jobs and they work 50 hours a week. And like, I've never even worked a full time job. So like, mm. it, it feels a bit like, oh, wow, like my, um, I guess my tolerance for stress and burnout is incredibly low. Um, but I think the thing is, I've always pushed myself a lot. So when it came to, you know, going non-speaking, at first I was like trying really, you know, I put my podcast on pause and I was trying really hard to like come up with strategies of like, okay, how can I change things? What are other things I can do? But eventually I realized I just had to give into it and just rest a hell of a lot. So for mm. several months, I really just kind of read books, went for walks, took baths. I had, I had like yeah. a period of like a month and a half where I had a bath every day. Um, oh, wow. that kind of stuff, <laughs> a lot of journaling. I journaled so much. As oh, well, that's great. So that really helped. Yeah. That's cool. And you, I mean, you're a writer as well. You write all your own stories for your, your podcast. So I'm sure, uh, that translates pretty well. I think that kind of speaks to the importance of, um, just rest in general. I don't think people give enough credit to just giving yourself just time to, um, kind of take a breather from life and to, I mean, I think we all just get so caught up in the, uh, the day-to-day -day, like working and making sure that everything's taken care of and you have all these things to get to and you have all these uh, obligations, you know, and everyone's obligations are uh, varying more and less serious, you know, depending on who you are, what you're taking care of. And I, there's, a, there's a million things you're trying to deal with as well as just trying to balance your mental health and, you know, traumas you went through and trying to tackle the future. There's so much going on in every individual person's life that, you know, we rarely, I think, especially I, I feel like in today's culture, we always like value like the quote unquote, like hustle person that's like trying to like get everything done all at once. And then somebody that's like, actually, like, I really need to take a break from all of that is, um, I guess, somehow um, 
I don't know, maybe it has a stigma around it, you know? But it's so important because we were just like, we are constantly on the move doing something. There's so many people doing, you know, what they got to go through. And being able to take a step back from all of that is, I think, just one of the most important things you can do because it really kind of recenters yourself for the future you, you want to uh, accomplish, you know? Yeah, and honestly, so one of the big changes when I came back from pausing the podcast, I went from doing one episode every week to one episode every two mm. weeks. And it made such a difference, like in terms of everything, in terms of how rested I felt, how good the stories were, how much time I could dedicate mm. to them. Um, and generally, I, I agree. I think uh, I almost see philosophy and poetry as very similar in that they're both these things that people a lot of people struggle to see like what is the worth of this like why should i read poetry why should i read philosophy why should i journal all these things right and um it kind of you know in mainstream capitalist society there's this idea of you have a problem let's find the solution it needs to be an active solution you need to take some medicine you need to go for a run you need to do this you need to try this new app that's going to change the way you work right whereas often actually what you need to do is stop mm-hmm. and slow down and actually just be just be in your body i have um, a tattoo of a slug here it's my first tattoo i got it a few months nice. ago and i'm a bit weird i like like slimy creatures like slugs and toads and stuff but one of the main reasons i got it was just to remind me to slow down you know slugs know where they're going it's gonna take them a while to get there but they still go right and they still get there and they've existed probably i don't know i'm not a biologist but i think they've existed longer than humans have yeah That's that's really good. No, that's a really good point. It's a cool tattoo, by the way, too. You know, and also it kind of brings up a point that's kind of this isn't this isn't re- related necessarily to the conversation, but tattoos. I'm just thinking about this. Like it's cool because it can remind you of something. As someone who doesn't have any tattoos, I never really thought about it as a reminder. I just set reminders on my phone. But like you could look down every day, and it's like right there for you to to look at. That's interesting. That's pretty mm. cool. But yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, it, it it is like that that the mindset of like, oh, yeah, we got to constantly be doing something. And when r- really what the best thing to do is nothing. Sometimes, you know, obviously things need to get done. But, um, you know, we're all we're all moving yeah. some sort of on some sort of trajectory. So but you mentioned um, spirituality uh, uh, earlier. What is what has kind of been your uh, path into that? And and what, what would you say you uh, you know, you don't have to define yourself in any way, but. Um, I think that's kind of the, uh, the, uh, interesting thing about spirituality where it can mean a lot of things for a lot of people. So what is it, uh, what does it look like for you? Well, you know, I was raised Catholic, so there's, there's that, right. I went to a Catholic school, um, and like Roman Catholic. So, you know, most people in the UK, there's more like Anglicans and stuff. So the Catholics are really very serious about a lot of things. And I kind of became a bit of a edgy atheist in my teenage years and really like pushed that away for a long, long time. But it was when I was having this period of burnout last year where I was like, I need some kind of higher power. I need to believe that there is someone out there, regardless of who I am, regardless of if I never am able to speak again, if I'm never able to work again, I need to know that my life has a lot of purpose and meaning 
and that there is there is like a higher power who I can submit to because I think that's the big thing about spirituality and it's a thing that a lot of people feel really uncomfortable about this idea of submission of saying you know what I can't do everything right again it comes back to that like you know everyone wants to be like the hustling guy like doing everything but actually sometimes you have to say you know what I'm too weak I can't do everything there are certain things that are simply above me and it can be a huge release to do that right I think it's you know I see it as like um, these are all parts of the human experience and we need to, you know, just as we need to have parts of our life where we feel really in control and we're like maybe a leader or, you know, have responsibility for another person or an animal. There are times where we need the opposite, where we need to be able to just be powerless. Right. Um, so that that's a big element. And then this year I've started going to a lot of um uh, so it's this organization called Quintimacy and it's basically queer somatic bodywork events. So it's, um, it's really, it sounds really woo woo, especially, I don't know, like for me as like a queer person, it's like, oh, cool. But for a lot of people I explain it, they're like, okay. So it's basically like maybe 15, 20 people and it's like a three day workshop and we do lots of activities around like consent, um, uh massage um erotic massage kind of just working with the body doing things like interviewing each other's genitalia that kind of stuff um so it sounds really weird but it's, it's really spiritual for me in the sense of a deep physical spirituality yeah. since doing that i felt so connected and present in my body and being able to yeah i think focus a lot of that um energy of like how do I feel am I sad really just focusing on like the bodily sensations I think has really really helped me connect to that spiritual element yeah. as well no so, that's yeah. really interesting I've never heard of anything like that I think that's um uh honestly that's 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 uh, a <laughs> I think it sounds really cool I I, I always tend to not think uh, anything's that weird because we're all pretty weird we all have our own like weird things going on uh there's I don't know I feel like yeah. there's so much that there's there's ways that people cope you know, in ways that people handle things and it's, it's up to each individual person to do that for themselves. So, you know, it's not, uh, there's nothing that's really that, you know, obviously, you know, we shouldn't be hurting other people. There's, <laughs> but <laughs> that sounds like a, just like such a interesting way to connect with yourself physically. You know, I think we probably associate spirituality a lot with the mental and like the consciousness, um, side of things. But, uh, you know, I, I think paying yeah. attention to like the physical side of spirituality is something I'll probably start thinking about even more because um, obviously like I've thought about you, it, but um, not too, too in intently as I have like the mental side. Have you heard of the term body mind? Uh, yes, I have. Before. I mean, I've heard of it, but I haven't like, I mean, is yeah. it like the, is it, um, would you be able to explain it a little bit more? Yeah, basically. I mean, I came across it. I was kind of aware of the concept, but I really uh solidified for me i read a book called um neuroqueer mm. heresy sorry neuroqueer heresies which is all about neuroqueer uh which is basically like kind of the i guess the overlap between neurodivergence often autism and mm. then queerness and it's basically you know it's a very western modern enlightened post-enlightenment idea that we have our mind and our body and they're separate and not not only they're separate that the mind is somehow superior mm. to the body right um, and the body mind is the idea of, you know, there is no distinction. Your body is your mind. So, you know, if you have a stomach problem, like a digestive problem, it's going to make you feel yeah. anxious, right? Like even if you're like psychologically, you can be like, 
oh, I can reason this out. I know that's making me feel anxious. You still feel anxious, mm -hmm. right? So it's kind of embracing that. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, play. totally. It's like uh, the concept of non-duality in a sense where, you know, we're, the, the, everything is connected. And I think that's something that goes, um, I don't know, maybe underappreciated sometimes because, you know, we could always get, you know, I, sp I think especially when we talk about like, um, at least being, you know, from the U.S., like um, a lot of people aren't healthy there or, you know, honestly, anywhere. A lot of people could be unhealthy, but it's like your mental health improves when you when you physically exercise because your physical body improves your mental body or your mental health and, and, and vice versa. You know, you can't do anything. You don't want to have you don't want to get up and go for a run. You don't want to go out and go rock climb or, you know, go for a walk or whatever when you're just depressed and sitting in your room like there there and it's all, it's all interrelated you know um and so i think that's a really important concept to kind of um think about even more intently because you know we i, I at least myself I, I get kind of i can i feel like sometimes i can get caught up in modes of thinking like where i'm thinking too much about my mental side of things and not so much about my physical side of things or or i think about my physical side mm -hmm. of things more than i think about the mental side of things but it's like finding that balance between the two that I think is the, the important thing, but, but balance is difficult. <laughs> so, so on, on that note, actually, I've just started doing a thing with my girlfriend because the other day, because we get caught in this cycle and I think a lot of couples get caught in this cycle of saying, oh, are you okay? Oh, how are you? Oh yeah, I'm doing okay. Or, oh, I'm a bit worse than before, but just kind of, mm -hmm. it becomes this very simplified way of communication, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can say like, oh, maybe do you want a hug? But um, something I found really useful is I say, uh, well, I propose this as, as an idea to my girlfriend and she loved it. And we do it all the time now, which is saying, what are three things you feel in your body right now? Mm. So just not thinking about feelings like, oh, like my, my scalp is a bit itchy. Oh, sorry. Just whacked my nose. Oh, no, you're totally good. Oh, like my scalp is a bit itchy. My tummy hurts. Uh whatever it can be positive things as well like oh i just i i'm tasting the nice food we're eating or whatever and that's always uh i find it you know often it can be very revealing of like oh actually i'm anxious and tense and i didn't realize um but it's also just helps you be more aware of your body and that is good for your well-being yeah that's really good that's yeah. really good and when do you do that do you guys like check up on it like once a day or like how how often do you guys do that God, well, I mean, so we started um, maybe like three or okay. four days ago. It's a nice. very new thing. But so far we're doing it probably like five to 20 <laughs> times a day. Like, how are you? So what, how is like, your body like? <laughs> we're both like very over communicators. Yeah. Like we, we like to be very, very yeah, explicit yeah. with communication. No, that's good yeah. though. And that that's that's huge. I mean, relationships are built on communication. I've, I've, I've know that because I've had relationships where I did not communicate and the relationships where I communicated and like, obviously, you know, um, that I, I prefer to take the same route of over communication rather than under communication. But, you know, that leads into scary vulnerability and that's, um, that's a whole other topic. I mean, communication in general is so important. How do you find yourself to be, um, when like, what is it about, uh, over communication that you find yourself gravitating towards are you have you always been like that or has it been something that you've learned yeah i mean it's kind of the autistic stereotype of like oh i like to communicate really mm. directly but then also um you know i do have a theater background right i did a lot of youth theater and so i learned to be a lot more improvisational and you know 
fun and free with the way I communicate yeah. through that. But then becoming a teacher really kind of solidified like my communication skills, I, mm-hmm. I would say, because when you're talking, you know, teaching English as a foreign language specifically, you'll often have people from all different countries. So you have no, you know, unifying factor. There's no other language you can turn to. So you really just have to be slow and clear. And I think through doing that, it's kind of seeped over into my normal communication where even when um, I'm talking like conversationally with people, I'm very aware of like, oh, am I saying things clearly? I also just, it's that, that thing of like, I, I put out into the world what I want to get back. Like with emails, for example, I don't write long emails. I write about, I write like, you know, thanks for sending this. Let's do this. Yeah. Bye. Like I just keep it short because I'm like, I don't, just, what, what's the point? Why are we sending all this? Why are we writing all these long paragraphs? You know, like, let's just be clear, polite, professional, clear. Great. So, yeah. <laughs> Straight to the point. I mean, that's good though. I mean, I feel like I can get caught up in like trying to say all the right things and then never get, and then like maybe prolong the conversation too much but i don't know i i again like i feel like i like i like talking in general so i don't mind it but i totally get like because like everyone's dealing with a lot of things you know you it's might be uh beneficial in certain circumstances to be more direct and to the point but um i feel like i feel mm. like um there there's like a point for me at least where i um i want to make sure that uh everything i'm trying to get out is communicated well and then if that doesn't really translate, I feel like I need to like just say even more. Um, so maybe that's uh, you know I I, I I like it goes back to the point of just over communication um, rather than under communication. But yeah, I mean I think it's hard because I had an experience recently with someone I met where we had such different communication styles. Where she says a lot of stuff that I would like you know, read what she said or hear what she said. And I'm like, okay, but what are you actually saying? Like, I couldn't figure out. And there was definitely this tension between us. But then eventually, actually, we found out one time we had like a conversation and we realized we had loads in common about like certain things. And we like really grew this connection. And we figured out, okay, like, let's meet in the middle. Let's figure out, you know, where are we misunderstanding each other? And I think... um, you know, communication is quite a general term, right? Because there's communication and then there's conflict. And conflict is the one that most people are mm-hmm. scared of and don't want to deal with. And certainly I was not good at dealing with it in the past. But um, I feel like I kind of embrace conflict yeah. now in the sense that there's this phrase my friend told me and it's so cheesy, but it's um, conflict is a system crying out for mm. change. So basically, if you're having regularly having conflict with the person, it's like, okay, something here needs to change either in the environment or the whatever the relationship. So I try now not to just be like bitchy and like nasty and say the worst things, but to be like, hey, I'm noticing this keeps happening. We are we are batting heads about this. Like, what do you think? Like, can we try and work something out? You know, that kind of thing, because I found in almost every situation where I willingly like engage in the conflict i always feel better afterwards and usually you find a solution yeah no yeah totally i it's yeah. i but like i said earlier that comes with vulnerability so how do you do with vulnerability how, how do you manage i think this is kind of a question i always come back to with people and trying to really um uh discover it for myself as somebody who like 
tries my best, you know, listens to a lot of Brene Brown and like tries to be like um, vulnerable. <laughs> but um, I, mm-hmm. I, it, it is difficult. It's one of the most difficult things, in my opinion, for myself to do is to be vulnerable. Um, but because it, it, it takes a certain sense of courage, because you know, when something like you said continually pops up and it's like continually a conflict in some sense, um, it takes like the the vulnerable side of you to get that out and be like hey this is a thing that's hurting me or hurting you or hurting us or whatever um how do you how do you approach that uh, for yourself in your own relationships I mean, that's a hard question because i would say that by by making a podcast you're doing the right thing <laughs> in the sense that like i think i learned a lot of vulnerability through just making stuff and putting it online Mm. like i was making youtube videos when i was like 15 Mm. 16 back in like the 2010s where like vlogging was this like super new thing and it was a really niche community and i think just through doing a lot of stuff like that you know what though now that i think about it it was having small spaces where i felt safe to completely express myself and that was through like the early youtube stuff and then also uh, i speak esperanto i can talk more about that if um you want to hear but but going to esperanto events they're very niche it's a niche community so i was able to express myself very openly in that space so i think it's often it's finding the places and the people where you're like okay i can be really open and vulnerable here and then gradually widening that okay. out I'd yeah say. yeah no totally so wait esperanto i've heard of esperanto before um what is es- define esperanto and how how do you speak it <laughs> so Esperanto is a constructed language made by a Polish eye doctor in the 19th century with the goal of being like the lingua franca okay. of the world. Uh, it's designed to be really okay. easy. Um, obviously, English kind of won out in that sense, but um, there are still a big community of people who speak Esperanto and it's kind of like a subculture, I guess. So I've been to lots of Esperanto events and actually so many of my close friend- friends are Esperantists. And I would say the biggest advantage is like, you know, I have a really close friend from Slovakia who uh, has studied in the UK, but when we speak together, we always speak Esperanto and that feels quite fair because it's neither of our native languages. Mm. Whereas if we were always speaking English, it would be like, oh, okay, like I have a, a privilege and advantage over you here. And, you know, especially if they're in a situation with loads of British, you know, English native speakers, yeah. It can, you know, it puts a pressure on you as a, as like a minority language speaker. In that interesting. Sense. So I think there there is some real tangible benefits yeah. to it, especially in. Yeah, my, interesting. Yeah. How many people speak Esperanto in the world? God, it's so hard to give like an accurate number because it's like, how do you define speaking it? Because there are people who did a course for a few months and then gave it up, right? There's not an official census or anything. Yeah, I've seen an estimate of like 1 million. That seems quite high to me if we're talking about like active speakers. I would say at least a few, probably at least 100,000. But like that I could, you know, it's really hard to, to say. There's enough people that there are, you know, regularly events in lots of different countries that have hundreds of people attending, sometimes thousands. Interesting. That's interesting. It's funny because I was like, I have definitely, I've definitely heard of Esperanto. I was like, I don't, I don't even know what it is, but I've definitely heard of it. Uh, Interesting. That's, that's cool. How long have you spoken it for? 
about uh oh my god probably about 14 oh really fluent how that's how many words are in esperanto compared to english i know i'm I'm just interested again (laughs) difficult question i mean esperanto has super flexible well word building like you can just make up words really easily um and i've actually (laughs) i actually have i've won second place in an esperanto sorry third place in an esperanto literary prize in the category of prose interesting so um, i guess i can say i'm an authority on esperanto literature somewhat um but yeah, it's definitely got like generally far fewer words because it's designed to be easier, yeah. right? But um, you can be much more flexible. Okay. Do you mind saying say. saying something in Esperanto? I I really just want to know how it sounds. Uh, Oh wow! What is that? What What does that mean? <laughs> I was saying like, oh, well, the thing is, everyone always wants to know how Esperanto sounds. So I just have to like make things up and say the same old crap, which doesn't really yeah. mean anything. Yeah, okay, wow, that's funny. I, it sounds like a mixture of like, oh, so many, like, it sounds like a mixture of like Latin and German and like, I don't like so many different languages. Interesting. That's basically, yeah, it has a lot of words from wow, different Wow, that's interesting. So. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Uh, anyways, um, that, <laughs> back on track now. No, <laughs> uh, cool. So, I mean, I guess more again towards like the topic of spirituality, um, something I've been who I constantly go back to and every I've, everyone does um, the concept of of death and non-existence, how, what what it means to, to be here and then think about not being here. Um, you know, everyone has their own relationship with it. Everyone kind of thinks about it in their own way. Um, and. I, you know, I, I ask this question because I like formulating, you know, nothing in my mind is, is set in, in completely in the way. There's only like, there's only like probably like two things that I can name that are like, I'm 100%, I'm pretty damn sure this is what I need to do, which is like, just be loving to other people. And that's, I mean, that's like number one. So it's like, besides that, like mm-hmm. a lot of my, my, a lot of my, my mindset is flexible to a lot of things. So. When I talk about the concept of death, I like to think about it in, in terms of like how other people see it to kind of formulate my own opinions on it or my own ideologies pertaining to it, you know, just to kind of um, get get more of a sense of how other people view it in order to shape my opinion, my my views on what uh, what it all means, you know. So I, I would like to kind of hear what you say, what, what how you think about it, at least, um, and and what 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 relationship you have to death currently big question i feel like (laughs) yeah i feel like most people are scared of death and i'm not Mm. like i i don't i if i was to die like tomorrow if i like found out i was gonna die tomorrow obviously i might be like but i could i could probably deal Mm. with it to be honest like uh i i mean i don't know i remember when i was like maybe like god probably like 13 or 14 and i was like what if i killed myself as a thought experiment which is obviously <laughs> well, such like but, a yeah, is, teenager is... <laughs> thing to think. right but but like genuinely like i obviously even pain like obviously because a lot of people they're scared of the pain that comes with death right and um i I I don't know, I have like quite a spiritual relationship with pain. Like when I got my tattoo, I actually really enjoyed the pain mm. part. A uh, bit, bit, bit of a masochist, but also just, I, I kind of, I believe we can overcome mm. a lot. Um, 
and not that it even necessarily makes us stronger. I just think it's like it's part of the fabric of existence, right? And we can't deny it. Um, and then I feel like a lot of people are afraid of death because they're, I guess maybe they're afraid of getting old and, you know, becoming weak and disabled essentially. And obviously I've had the experience of becoming disabled, you know, kind of unexpectedly. And that was a thing that I had to process a lot of like kind of coming to terms with that. But now I'm very comfortable with that. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, um, I, I read a lot. I don't know. Do I read a lot? It's all relative. I I engage a lot, I guess, with like disability studies and disability rights activism and neuroqueer stuff. So, so for me, like that's not a a fear because, you know, um, I've, you know, I experience it, but also it doesn't define me and it's not all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Does that make sense? So I guess for me, death is, it's kind of, um, it's chill. <laughs> so that's, I don't know. Like it's, uh, you know, I, okay. So actually, okay. Good example. The, 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 you know, this year, my, um, my German grandmother passed away. It's a bit complicated. So technically she was my half brother's grandmother, but she kind of treated us all like her grandchildren. And that did hit me really hard. And it was probably the most I've ever cried at mm. a funeral. Um, and then I, I felt kind of guilty because I cried more than with my maternal grandmother. Mm who, you know, arguably I should have, should have had a stronger relationship with or, you know, a closer relationship. Mm. But, you know, I really just, I think because, uh, not that she was ready for death, but I think it was a relief in a lot of ways. And I guess it kind of was in both cases, but, um, I don't know, sir, I feel like I'm, I've gone off onto a very dangerous tangent where I'm processing feelings of grief on camera so let's move away from that um yeah i don't know okay so so it's not it's not like i don't get sad about i i I feel grief and it's it's Mm. complex and messy right but i guess what i'm curious is when you ask about death to most people like what is what is their reaction i mean i think i get everything you know some people say it's chill and some people say it's um it's something that's on their mind a lot and something that they're really afraid of, you know? And I, I, mm. I, you know, I think, I think that's the relation. I think that's just kind of the human condition is that everybody, everybody views death differently. And some people really, um, maybe are afraid of death of dying, but not afraid of death itself, or they're afraid of death itself and not really afraid of dying or, or you know, not at all, you know, just kind of accepting what it is. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, for myself personally, it's lies somewhere in between, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I, mm. I think about death often. I mean, there's a reason why I started a podcast uh, about death and, uh, spirituality and things like that. But at the same time, I don't let it affect, I feel for me. And I've said this before, it's like, it's such a motivating factor for me where I don't, I don't become bogged down by it. Um, it doesn't, force me to like it, 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 I, 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 I should say I guess a rather a better way of phrasing that would be I don't I don't let it affect me to the point of where I it, it stalls me you know and so um, f- for me death is something that is it's just it's not it's not here yet so as long as it's not here yet I'm gonna do my absolute best to make the most of whatever this life is you know and so 
That's 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 yeah. the approach I take to. It. That's the mindset I I have behind it. But I understand that not everybody has that mindset. You know, it could be it could be very much um, freezing for a lot of people, and. I, I totally get it. I, I I understand. Like when this is all you know, all you know is life. What is that? What does death even mean? You know, is it, is it, mm. is it something to be concerned of if it's not even here? But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I find it interesting to kind of get everyone's different. Uh, obviously, like I I I ask the question because I'm really interested in what other people have to say about it. It's um it's something that is we are we are all affected by you know and. We're all we all see it every day, whether it's not with humans, it could be with, you know, animals like flies, like na- yeah. everything, like plants, like everything is dying and constantly in the cycle of death exactly. and rebirth every day all around us. And so and that's that's really more how I view it is, you know, it's it's part of a cycle and not viewing it so within mm-hmm. myself and like, you know. I do tarot readings with my girlfriend and the tarot card death, people think, it, oh my God, if you get this card, it means you're going to die. But no, like the, one of the core meanings is rebirth mm. and, you know, growth, yeah. right? And like, um, I was watching this video the other day about a guy who built like a wildlife pond and got all of the you know, um, frogs and different kinds of birds. And it was really uh, yeah. diverse, created this little ecosystem. But then, you know, snakes came along and started eating the frogs. And, you know, my initial reaction was like, oh, no, kill the snakes. They're killing the cute little (laughs) frogs. But then it's like, no, 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 like predation is an important part of a healthy ecosystem. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, the frog's got to die. So it's it's all necessary. And um, I understand why people are afraid of it and why they might want to prolong it. But I think there's a lot of power in just accepting it um and that was actually the real sad thing with my uh, grandmother who passed away um at the end of last year because she was very comfortable Mm. with death she i mean she grew up um god she lived through world war ii uh she um had two children commit suicide she had other relatives die from illnesses and stuff and she always said she's like you know what when i when it's my time i know exactly you know how i want to go and i know how i'm gonna do it but then of course what happened was she was uh she injured herself and then she was in a uh what's the word um old people's home for a long time and kind of bed bound unable to do stuff so she didn't have Mm. that control um and that was really sad but um yeah i think uh, uh yeah we got a it's a cycle. Yeah, yeah, no. I I think it kind of for me it kind of it asks the question what what is the purpose of that cycle, you know? And I, I think that's something I think about is like why why is it that way to begin with, you know? And I, these are unanswerable questions, obviously. Like I, mm-hmm. but I think that's where again and I've said this before is like I think that's where so so much of the the value um and some of the most um profound insight and can and wisdom can kind of come from is like ans- asking these unanswerable questions that you know nobody has nobody will ever have the answers to but it's 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 good to think about at least for myself personally because it brings more it brings um this aliveness to to life in general it brings this more curiosity and this this wonderment about like 
what's happening here. And I think that's something I often forget about is, is or I'm, I shouldn't say forget about, but I'm constantly reminding myself of is the the process of like this is actually pretty insane how we just ended up here and and where people are dying and and people are being born on the same day and it, none of it makes sense because some people have great lives and some people you know have uh, less than favorable lives and why is it like this what what is happening but there's also so much love and there's so much joy and there's so much beauty amongst all the trauma and the heartache um, you know so like it, it's it's like almost pursuing it's pursuing life in in it of itself rather than the the transitory things that is just life in general you know there's just so many things that happen and, and come and go so i mean i don't, yeah. I don't know if, if you would agree with that well you know on that note i this is why i really i think there's a real tendency these days to try and like really professionalize the creation of arts especially with well now especially with like youtube and stuff but um even with writing you know there's a lot of people who talk about you know just do your daily writing hit your word count pump out your novels xyz and um you know i truly believe that the creative process is like it's a reflection it's like a microcosm of like you know the creation of the world right it's like it's literally life propagates itself and it's just everything you're looking at on different scales, whether it's a bacteria multiplying, whether it's someone giving birth or whether it's you're writing a story, right, or whatever. Um, and so, you know, it's it is a divine process, even if it's something that happens very regularly. I think we if we can bring in that consciousness and awareness um, into creative stuff but into pretty much everything we do i think it you know helps us feel more complete and a lot of people don't want to take necessarily a really spiritual view on it but you can just say well you know something like rituals regardless of where the motivational like the i guess the reasoning behind it comes from i think mm -hmm. everyone benefits from doing rituals right and i think you know we have to just yeah, I think it, that's why being in tune with our bodies is is really the way forward because you figure out what feels good. Like doing tarot readings, for example, um, I it's something I'd been interested in for years, but I always felt a bit awkward. I wasn't sure of like the right way to do it, and I always think I was viewing it into of like a too much of a mechanistic approach. And now I'm like, oh, this is really just a tool for thinking and like kind of ideating into the world. So um, I went on off in a tangent because I forgot what you asked. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> you're totally good. Useful. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, everything is useful. Um, everyone's ideas are useful. No, I, I agree with you, especially on the ritual part. That's an interest, It's interesting that you, I'm glad you brought it up, actually, because I was talking about this with my partner. She was saying that, um, she was like, oh, the importance of rituals, I feel like is something that's lacking within like uh, more, I, I don't know, like... I, secular people or like secular communities because um you know with with religion especially um there there is this this mm, this veneration of rituals and it's something that's very important to people uh, within certain communities um religi religiously and it, this was something i kind of uh, my eyes uh, opened up to a little bit more because i i went and um with her, with her family, her little sister was having like a, a first communion for like a Catholic first communion. And so I like filmed it and 
it was interesting and it was interesting to kind of like see what it was. Well, I, I mean, I had, I mean, I, I, I didn't really know. I, I had been to like Catholic church before, obviously when I was like really little. Um, but it was interest. It was an interesting reminder. My point being is that rituals kind of, they have this importance and they have this, um, uh, community aspect to it and, and like a reconnection with what you think with, with what is important to you. And I think that's something that probably is lacking within certain secular culture. Um, just because of the fact that I feel like a lot of people, a lot of the times are kind of like free floating in this space of like, I don't know, like, I don't know what's happening. I don't really know. Like rituals seem like a, like a religious thing and I'm not religious, you know, or like I'm, or people are like vehement atheists and they're like, I don't want to touch rituals because that's a completely religious thing. And, and, you know, a lot of people are in between those two. Um, so, I mean, it's, 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 I think it is, I think it's something that is important, but it's not necessarily something we have to make religious. It's just the, the, just the importance of being connected, finding a space or like something that helps you reconnect with with whatever you find important spiritually or whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, it, I think that's probably something that I could do a better job of myself and just trying to c- connect, um, just being being more grateful to whatever it is. And, and this is actually something that I've thought about um, and we've talked about, me and my partner, about uh, just being grateful whenever we sit down to eat. Because I, I know growing mm-hmm. up, like, my parents would always, um, you know, like, thank God for... Um, the food we had, you know, it's like, oh, thanks for the food. And I, I was like, okay, like, cool. And I was Christian when I was young, but, um, and, and, you know, I, I, I don't not believe in God. I think it's like, a, you know, that, that's a, that's a topic we can, we can dive into. But, um, I think just thanking life, God, whatever you want to call it, like just thanking the, the ability to eat and to, um, and to, be nourished by life i think that's an important thing you know regardless of like what connotation you put on it it's just it's an important thing to just be grateful for what that is Mm. um and and i think yeah yeah, and especially these days i mean the fact that i'm in england you're in hungary we're having a conversation you know I, I I always like try to like to take a moment like isn't it crazy that we're like talking like half, you know, thousands of miles away from each other like that's just wild to me you're in a park yeah. I'm in my house and I, I feel like it's so easy to devalue and especially you know a lot of people they 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 live in a, a lot of negativity about the time we live in and obviously there are things that are you know very bad and we should be critiquing but also like you know, there are experiences that we we are having in this day and age that, like, people in the past couldn't dream about, right? And yeah. we should be grateful for them. We should be grateful for the huge variety of food we're able to eat. And again, I say that as, you know, I'm very critical of, like, global supply chains, uh, the way all this stuff is structured. But, um, I, and I, I guess actually kind of a way of kind of reconciled that tension a bit is, being really finding um gratitude for like the most simple things in nature Mm. like whenever i see a new kind of flower now i always go and smell it because okay often they don't smell but i'm like i just want to know if it smells and if it smells nice that's fabulous because i i learned something new and i've got a new smell you know it's like yeah 
It's just putting it out for free. It's great. <laughs> no, yeah, it is. It's, it's the small things. And I think it's the reminding yourself of that. You know, it's like um, make it more of a, you know, if you want to call it a ritual or whatever, but just being grateful for the small things um, in life that you kind of overlook every day, like being able to eat in abundance uh, or yeah like being able to have a conversation on the internet or just you know being i don't know healthy or not ha not you know being diagnosed with a terminally ill disease or whatever like there's a million things you know and everyone's situation is different um so there's a million things mm -hmm. we can be grateful for and recognize uh and it's taking the time to slow down stop for a second and then think for your think for a minute about wow all these things that in my life I can be grateful for and you know that doesn't negate the problem the real problems that you go through and other people go through of course like there's a lot to figure out and there's a lot of traumas that are happening um you know and those are very important to address but that's that's um I think that's you know it's not you can't you know you don't have to exclude also the the amazing things you can be grateful for every 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 day and I, this is something that I um to um the consternation of my my girlfriend she's like i make her um do like three things we're grateful for every day and she's she uh uh she bears with it thank thank god but um i've always like we got to do three things every day because there's literally like i could you know if we really thought about it we could name off a lot of things but i think three you know small things it doesn't have to be big it doesn't have to be you know like this huge thing it's just small things like i'm just grateful to have a bed to sleep in because i see like homeless people on the street and that's not cool mm -hmm. and i'm not one of those people like that's just a something i'm grateful for um as well it, as it, it is funny with that as well because i think it really depends on the dynamic between people like i i mm -hmm. when i'm with by myself or with my girlfriend like we don't do that kind of thing because i think we don't need it you know we don't we don't tend to go so much into that negativity but i have mm. another really close friend who when we get together our like natural tendency is to complain about everything and we can really mm. work ourselves up about yeah. stuff so with them we do try to practically be like oh, okay what yeah what are some positive things for to, from today so i, I yeah. think it's and that, that that comes back to that thing about communication where you know often it's it's finding what works for for these people or this community right and again rituals it's all about it's not just about the individual but it's about if a ritual is practiced in a community or a couple or a group of people like what does that say about our values right mm -hmm. um so yeah it, it's really interesting also because um i i read something the other day uh, in a substack i follow that there's this uh there's like an academic article about basically arguing that the modern concept of health can be considered a religion in the sense that there are people who you know the way they treat health is fits all the criteria of a religion in terms of mm. like you know people who are into like wim hof like cold therapy or like really hardcore yoga or whatever they have their temples which are their gyms or whatever they have their like mm. secret method like oh like you know there might be gnostic christians but it's like oh i do my like secret nordic body training or whatever um mm. and they have their like dogma of like this is the only way to be healthy and live a long life so and then that becomes somehow some kind of purity or like spiritual superiority so i interesting. think interesting 
nowadays, so many people in the attempt to escape from religion just end up creating their own you know, religions without realizing it. So Yeah, yeah. And I, th you know, it's funny when you say like, it, I don't think that just applies to gym people. I think that can apply to like uh, business people, you know, too, or like, or work, like showing up at the office every day and going through the, the, the nine to five and then, you know, thinking about it constantly and like constantly bringing it home and bringing it into relationships. I mean, um, I think you could apply, but I mean, it kind of goes to the idea of like what religion is. Um, and you know that's a that's a treacherous topic, but um, I I mean as someone who takes who takes my health pretty serious, uh, my physical health, I mean as well as my mental health, but I really do try to maintain a, a good level of physical fitness for myself, just because mainly because I just have like such a high energy level where I'm just constantly trying to do something um, physical. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily see it as a religion, but. Um, I, I guess I, I guess you I, I could think view it that one way. of the kind of key things was this idea of prolonging life that a lot of people mm. are obsessed with. Like, oh, if I fast and cold therapy, I'm going to live longer. But it's like, mm. why do you want to live longer? Like, mm. what's the point of living longer if you're miserable <laughs> because you're spending the whole time like obsessively dieting and exercising? Like, what's the point? You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we definitely can get to an unhealthy state for sure. And I've I've been in those unhealthy states, so I can relate to like. Like, uh, yeah, being being a person who's like, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I'm I'm doing everything I can to improve my health when really improving my health doesn't mean like doesn't entails actually resting. And I like didn't give myself a break and I was not eating. I was like not eating what I should be eating when I thought those things were healthy. And yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It could be uh, it can definitely get to a point where you're uh, you think I think that's that's also interesting is like when you're just so focused on one way of being when you're when you actually think something is good for your for yourself but in hindsight and especially objectively if somebody's able to tell you or you're able to see it objectively that it's actually really not good for yourself um and you're just so blinded mm -hmm. by it but it can be really difficult to see that because i mean you're only in your own perspective of things i don't know if you've, you've gone through similar experiences like that yeah i you know i think the 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 body is very this is why i, I really try to focus on this being in tune with my body because often the body knows what it needs and if you deny it what it needs then it will find its own coping mechanisms right mm -hmm. so now i'm i'm very good at listening to my body and being like oh if i'm feeling tired like do i want to go to the social activity is it actually really going to be worth it for the the level of mm -hmm. exhaustion you know really like feeling like how does this decision feel right yeah but in the past and you know let's make it general um a lot of people smoke a lot of people binge drink a lot of people do whatever um that is a coping mechanism and it's their body is kind of like okay you're not giving me the actual thing i need whether it be emotional needs or like rest so i'm finding another thing that's trying to like fill in the gap maybe chemically for example and a really interesting anecdote about that is um i don't know if you've heard of the book the body keeps the score uh i might have heard of it actually yeah actually, so it's about it. it's all about uh, post-traumatic uh, stress disorder um, okay. But one of the studies they talk about in it is um, where it was like a group of uh, overweight people. I think it was my, maybe it was just women and they they got them to like follow this regime to lose weight with the goal of like improving their health outcomes. Right. And they found with several of the people in the study, when they lost weight, they started self-harming. Um, mm. And what they you know, eventually came to the conclusion was oh, these people were, you know, traumatized individuals and 
you know, binge eating, their body had found a way somehow to, you know, not deal with the trauma, but to at least, you know, soften the effects through weight gain and through a lot of eating. And so Mm. as soon as that was taken away, it was like, well, I need some other form of self-regulation, right? And obviously self-harm is a really bad form of self-regulation, but essentially it's what your body is trying to do. So um, I think with a lot of people, it's like, they're they're just looking like one step ahead whereas really you need to kind of like take a take a zoom out kind of thing yeah no that's a really good point you you, i think many people are probably trying to like you said fix the immediate the immediate problem and not try to fix the root of the problem yeah Uh, which is why I, i think philosophy is so useful because mm. it's it's literally all about like let's take the most abstract view possible right yeah no i i agree i agree completely i, I mean i f- i feel like philosophy for me has given me so much um in terms of just thinking differently just thinking in a way where i wouldn't normally think like you said an abstract view of uh reality or an abstract view of the mind or whatever you know whatever possibly can be uh conceived of and for me that that brings so much meaning and it, and it really has altered my my trajectory in life just thinking about what life is and and there's so many avenues within philosophy i mean um you know you could you could take it you could take it anywhere um you know political philosophy or you know uh philosophy of the mind or uh aesthetics which is really interesting um, and I think that's something I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about, um, which is the idea of, um, as a creative person, you know, uh, it's something that I'm embracing much more recently. I would say within the past uh, handful of months, I've really been trying to uh, cultivate the the creative mind within myself. And it's not something that I um, necessarily have always thought of myself as a creative person. Um, I'm, I'm pretty... I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a more logical person and rather than a, I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but I've never really thought of myself as like a creative person. But within the past uh, handful of months, I've really been trying to embrace that side of me, not only to improve, you know, this podcast, but just to really just kind of gain a different understanding of art and um, what that can bring to all person's life. So I kind of want to get your take on 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 art and how how you view the creative side of of uh, existence. Yeah, Ooh, I'm just thinking of where to approach it from. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, it's always been something where I was always. I'm trying to sound this without making it sound like a bit pretentious or boastful, but I've always just been very creative in the literal sense of i just want to create things right like yeah writing little stories making little projects and like i think unfortunately because i am i struggle a bit with the physical aspect right like i'm not i'm quite clumsy person so like for example god when i was in primary school or or even reception like the lowest like very early school in the uk I had to get like extra classes with the teacher for my handwriting because my handwriting was horrendous. Like I could not draw mm-hmm. within the lines. I couldn't color within the lines. So because of that, I think I like kind of really focused on writing and stuff because that was mm-hmm. like safe and I was good at that and I was good at spelling and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
but recently I've been coming back a lot more to the uh, um, more kind of visual, physical elements of creativity. And I haven't read a lot. I really, I don't, I don't think I've read any aesthetic philosophy, but I, I, I watch quite a few like uh, YouTube uh, video essayists who talk about that kind of thing. And um, I'm kind of, fa- I'm getting quite fascinated with it. Yeah, because I think the kind of the biggest realization I had re- recently was, I guess I'm what you would call a, an interdisciplinary artist. And that I really while writing is like my main thing i feel um i really just want to do all kinds of creativity and i try not to just siphon it out from the rest of things so um like a weird discovery i had recently is that uh when sorting and like tidying stuff in my house i get very creative so like several times over the last week i'll be in the morning, I get this, like, because we're moving house later this year, so, like, okay, we need to throw away stuff, we need to take stuff to the dump, we need to sort stuff. So I've been doing that in the morning, and then I'll find, like, oh, an old postcard I got given years ago, or, like, I don't know, like, um, so I was, like, oh, let me just, like, write a postcard to a friend I haven't talked to in ages, and I'll post that later, which, for me, is, like, weirdly very spontaneous for that kind of thing. And then Mm. yesterday, it was, like, we'd come back from holiday, and I'd bought some earrings that were wrapped in this, like, really nice, like, um tissue paper that's like uh i can't remember the name like oh god you know in that old form of dyeing paper with like the swells of color it's called bass something i don't remember anyway not sure it was very pretty tissue paper and i just spontaneously was like i'm gonna like cut up a piece of cardboard i'm gonna glue it on and i'll write like a postcard on the back and i'll post it to my friend and then i got really into it and i took like several bits of tissue paper and i was like cutting holes in them and sellotaping them and like adding little ribbons and essentially what I made, I mean, it was, you know, very, very like uh, GCSE art, right? Like very like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to win, win any awards for it, but I had a lot of fun. And I kind of started it without thinking of like, because I've been thinking for ages, like I want to do collage, right? Yeah, but then yeah. when I thought I want to try collage, it's like, okay, let me sit down, let me gather my materials. Mm. But this was just completely spontaneous in the moment. And I had a lot of fun. And I was like... I'm going to send this to my friend and hopefully they'll like it. And I really think creativity is this thing that, you know, because from a capitalist perspective, it makes sense to uh, kind of professionalize it and put it in the category of like, only these people get to be creative. Mm. A lot of us are like scared of it. Like Mm. you said, you didn't consider yourself a creative person. And I just think everybody is creative. Like it's, it's a necessary part of our experience. Mm. And what really like hammered that home for me was, um, when I teach languages, I I don't really teach anymore, but um, I did quite a bit in the past. And I use a method called TPRS, which is based on storytelling and collaborative storytelling with students. And almost mm. when I worked with adults, it was so common. They would say like, oh, I've listened to a podcast. I really like it. I really like the idea of writing stories together, but I'm not a creative person. And every single time they were creative, they had, some of them said, I'm not a creative person. And then we wrote the most ridiculous stories. I had this one student where we wrote this story about like uh, this couple who went to Burning Man and took ayahuasca from this like, witch. <laughs> like it was, and then they, and then one of them went on a pilgrimage to meet the Pope and snorted cocaine with the Pope. I mean, it was so, <laughs> so 
funny. So yeah, I, I truly do believe everybody is creative. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, 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 I agree with you. I think it's about cultivating it and fostering that within yourself. If you don't care to foster it, then, you know, it doesn't, um, it doesn't show as much as somebody who really gravitates towards that and really wants to cultivate that within themselves. It's like anything, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you try to cultivate it within yourself to do something, then you're going to be, you're going to at least do more of it, you know, maybe not, you know, at the very least, you're going to be doing more of it. And that improves and you get better over time. And, and you, and you, and, you know, I think that's interesting. I think that's what's interesting about artists. Like, um, it's so, it can be so subjective. And so, you know, what defines good art is something that, you know, it, it's not necessarily something that you can, it's not, you can't pin it down. You know, it's not like you can find like one specific thing that this is what makes, this is what makes art good, or this is what makes uh, something creative. And, and I think that's, I think that's what's cool about it. Cause it's so, it's so open to so many people. And I, you know, now that I have been uh, trying to foster this with, within myself and within like the things that I do, I found now like something, things are coming to me so much easier. I'm like, oh, like I have all these ideas of all these things I want to do now within like the domains of what I find interest in. Like my creativity doesn't, um, you know, I'm not like a, I don't do like crochet or like knitting or, or uh, stuff like that. Or, but like I really like, uh, I'm really gravitating towards like filmmaking and doing this podcast and making videos and stuff like that. So I, I think that's really cool um, for myself personally. And it's made me think so much differently and kind of see the world in a more, through a more creative lens and a more aesthetic lens that's individual to me. And that's, that's what I think what makes such cool art is the fact or is the is the individualness of everything, you know, nobody, the one thing that nobody can take from you and this is what my partner tries to instill in me. Um, and I thank her for it because it's really helped me a lot. Is like the uniqueness of you, the uniqueness of the person that you are. And nobody else can be you. Like there's a lot of things you could do. There's a lot of things we can, we can, uh, you know, we, there's a lot of things that are, that are out there that, um, you know, can seem like the same thing, but nobody can be you yourself. Nobody can see the world through your mind. And, if you if you start to really um, appreciate that and teach that within yourself creatively uh, and start to see the world through your own unique creative lens, then, you know, it, it makes you can make some really, really cool things. And like, who cares? Who cares what other people are thinking about it? Because if you mm. think it's cool, that's what's cool. I, and I think that's also like what I really try to focus on with with my podcast specifically is like. I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm definitely getting away from it. But when I first started, I was like, well, how could I make this look like the, 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 the podcast that I see on the ones that I like, you know? And it's like, mm. I, I, and now I'm like trying to like run away from that as, as much as I can, because I, what I, I think, I think I can do it my way. And I think my way looks better to me and like that's all that matters you know and the people who like it will I mean, like it and the people who don't if you don't keep doing podcasts in the park I, I think that's <laughs> brilliant i wish more people did that there's a podcast i started listening to recently called i've actually got a uh, a little um a little ad for it here oh sick. The podcast where are conference. you going where are you going sick. and literally it's just a woman who goes up to people in the street at the train station wherever nice. and just says uh hi i'm doing a podcast i just want to ask where you're going and they just chat for a bit awesome. and it's so, so cool. cool because i'm like 
and it's given me a lot of ideas. Like I, I want to experiment more with like, you know, I guess you could call it rapportage, uh, but just, you know, interviewing oh, people, wow. talking to people, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because there has to be an element of play, right? And that's the thing why I say everyone is creative. Even if you're never going to produce art for other people where you're like, okay, I need, this needs to have an objective quality of uh, standard of quality. And like, I'm trying to do something with this creative play is like really nurturing for our spirits. And as creative people who are putting work out there and we're like, okay, I do take this seriously. You know, you have to balance the, the hard work with play mm. and bring in play as a regular practice. Right. Yeah, so totally. absolutely. So that's, that sounds really cool. And um, I'm really interested to see, I think podcasts in the park should be like the new thing. That sounds fun. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, podcast, uh, I think I like, I'm really trying to gravitate towards the nature side of things, you know, um, and that's what park, anywhere that looks cool. I'm, I'm thinking about going into abandoned buildings or something cool. I don't know. Anywhere I can really get, either have Wi-Fi or have somebody join me in the, because I, I actually, I'm glad I'm doing this remotely because I really try to stay away from remote just because I didn't think it was that aesthetically pleasing. But I think mm -hmm. the way I'm doing it now is going to yeah, hopefully be pretty cool. So, but before, before, um, we wrap things up here, I'm getting eaten by mosquitoes and the light is running out. Um, so I got to get yeah, out here. My throat's getting pretty dry. Yeah, as well, yeah. so. Um, well, I appreciate you talking to me. I, I kind of want to actually two things. Um, one, one being, I try to end, uh, all the heavy conversation on, um, music recommendations. Um, so if you have, uh, what's, what is the, what, it, what are you most excited about listening to right now? It doesn't have to be your favorite artist. It doesn't have to be anything, right, anything big, but uh, what are you most excited about listening to right now? God, that's a hard question. Cause I haven't been listening to very much music recently. Like I'm not, um, I, I mean, even though I used to play the saxophone for a really long time, yeah. I, I'm not, I don't just, I just. I think because I often get like sensory overwhelmed. So mm. like I, when I, you bring in music, it's, it's quite like intentional but um yeah. there is an album okay there's an album that i discovered a few months ago but it's really interesting it's um oh my god the band is called ibibio sound collective okay and i believe the album is called electricity okay um but the 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 kind of the first song on the album and like really the best one i think is called um protection from evil okay. so it's i think if I remember correctly, it's a Nigerian like pop electro group based in the UK, but I might have oh, got wow. that wrong. But it's basically something, it's like a style of music that is not super popular these days, like, um, but, and it uses a mixture of languages, like some in English, some in other languages. Um, but I just really, it's really just like, fr it feels really fresh and really like cool. interesting and just like, fun and it's i i love listening to songs in other languages because i'm mm. like a big language nerd but there's something great about like a pop song where you're like jiving to it where you're like i have no idea what they're saying but like yeah. this is like a jam you know totally so, yeah. i i feel you on that i i listen to a lot of music now um that i just have no idea what it says but it sounds beautiful it sounds cool so i'm like all right i'll, I'll take it I'll, you know music doesn't have to be understood to be enjoyed for sure awesome well i'll link that mm. in the description uh, for anyone who's uh, interested in checking it out. And then um, please, uh, before we head out, if you want to shout out anything you're working on, uh, and I'll, I'll obviously link any of your projects um, down down in the description. So 
please. Uh, oh, I wrong. I wore the wrong T-shirt because earlier I was wearing a T-shirt that like rep that has like a. It's got the logo for a podcast I was just collaborating with. So, um, oh. so obviously, Easy Stories in English is my podcast, and then recently I did an episode on Pioneers of the Continuum, which is basically like an eight-episode miniseries written by another ESL podcaster. Mm. where all of the episodes are voiced by different, uh, I guess, big name ESL <laughs> podcasters. And that was really fun. So it's a story about time travel. Oh, um, my episode came, as we're recording this, it came out today. But obviously oh, it'll probably be a while before you edit this and stuff. Um, so there's that. And then I'm just launching like a subscription model for my podcast. And as part of that, I'm doing bonus episodes. But I'm really experimenting with different things like... Um, I'm doing like interviews and stuff like that. And maybe more like I had this idea to do like soundscapes. So like I'll travel mm. to a place and I'll just record a lot of like background noise, kind of like you've got in yeah. the park and then like really use that as like anchors to like guide an episode. So oh, really that's interesting. something I've got the idea, but I haven't given it a try yet. So cool, I've got cool. lots of, lots of uh, pots boiling and pies with fingers in them and such things so on <laughs> awesome cool well whatever you have I'll, I'll link it in the description and you've disappeared so i don't know if you heard anyone. oh no i did I, I i heard you can you still hear me you're still good but this is uh this is ending anyway so i'm gonna end it right here and then you could still stay on the line here oh uh, well I, can you can you still hear me uh we're, we were so close to the end all right well the video cut out but thank you i want to thank ariel for being on the show and talking to me it was great having um having them on and uh talking to them this is a kind of a disappointing ending for that great conversation but uh it is what it is so that'll be that thanks for uh listening and i'll catch you in the next episode <laughs>